0: Ultimately, this is a project resulting from a uh, show at Michelle Grabner's Suburban. So we were doing this show together, and our aesthetics are fairly different. And so we were talking about ways to sort of come up with a, you know, we would meet in, like at a bar, talk about the show and, and whatever. While we were doing that, we started to talk about audio and podcasting and radio. And, and you know, one of the big sort of landmark moments in Chicago complaining is uh, the death of the new art Examiner. Which was, you know, the only hope any of us really had of getting any coverage. So we said, well, geez, you know, like I have a, I have a lot of audio equipment and a degree in sound engineering. You know, I know how to do that stuff. We we should just go and like look at shows and we can record reviews of them and post it. You know, we'll get some alcohol and there you go.
1: Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linnaway. For today's 106th episode, Richard Holland from Bad at Sports joins this podcast to discuss Bad at Sports, the wonderful Chicago podcast that has affiliates and contributors from nearly everywhere on the globe. So it's very exciting. We talk about how that started, how it branched into what it is now, where it's going, where it's been. We also chat briefly about... Richard's responsibilities as our juror for this year's 2014 Studio Break Annual Competition. Once again, we'll be selecting nine total artists, again, three from three different categories, the BA, BFA category, the MA, MFA category, and the professionals. So once again, we'll feature all nine of those artists on Studio Break, In addition to that, we're going to be hooking some artists up with some shows. Again, one artist from each of those different categories will be getting a solo show, one at the Peoria Art Guild, one at Jan Brant Gallery, and one at Demo Project. So if you're an artist looking to get a little exposure and maybe get a solo show out of it, please, please apply, and there'll be details on studiobreak.com, so go there and check it out. Just as a general reminder, if you've never heard of Studio Break and you're hearing it for the first time, we are a podcast and blog site. We feature a variety of different artists that come on, they talk about their practice, their process, their histories, and we share them with you right here. Each of the artists that we have have slideshows of their work, links to their websites, and these lengthy interviews. You can find them in iTunes, so please subscribe to the podcast there. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Studio Break. You can follow us on Tumblr, studio-break.tumblr. And though most teenagers are leaving Facebook, we still have a Facebook page. So please go ahead and like Studio Break on Facebook. Again, it's a great way to stay up to date with some of the guests that are coming out, some of the shows, competitions. Of course, if you like the podcast, please share it. Please help us get the word out. And on a personal note, I just want to say for the amount of times that Richard and I have tried to get together and do one of these and have it work out perfectly, this is by far the, the best experience. We hung out all morning at Starbucks chatting. So without further ado, here is Richard Holland from Bad at Sports. Stay tuned. The most important thing is actually to start this now because, you know, this is the longest I think we've been in a conversation and not been interrupted.
0: I know, and I'm very ranty today, so uh, I we have yet we've been here for like an hour, like and a half, and we have actually uh, yet to do uh, roll tape. So, well,
1: I'm going to keep coughing straight into the microphone. That's good. That's good. I, you know, I
0: try to do that every show. My name is Richard Holland. I am the uh, co-founder and producer and host of an occasional interviewer, although very occasional at this point of a podcast called bad at sports uh we've been around since 2005 and we have a blog as well uh that has new content every day if you go to baditsports.com we've got a team of 30 maybe writers i uh I, you know I've, I've long since ceded control of the blog to somebody else who <laughs> has a time to manage that i am i'm not a writer and in my spare time, I'm an attorney, and mostly I'm a realtor. So, if you're looking for a let's uh, see the shameless plug, if you're looking for a uh, place to buy, or if you want information in uh, Chicago or the suburbs, particularly the western suburbs, give me a call.
1: <laughs> well, it's interesting that you bring all that up because I think that's kind of one of the other things is I want to I want to see how this kind of spiraled into what it is now. You know, it's always funny to me because when you when you get to your announcements. You know, there's so many you know, like contributors and you know how, people uh, from are, from all over the world. So there's times where I think
0: the, I'm in trouble for that because because uh, <laughs> that's like so out of date. It's embarrassing. Oh, really? And I made everybody write down everybody involved in everything, and it was so long ago now that it's no longer true, and I just haven't gotten around. I wanted to try to re-record it with Duncan, but Duncan and I only talk through our attorneys now. So you know, like it's it's tough to get together, the restraining orders and all that. So, uh, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. So are you d- from are you from Chicago? Then no, I grew up in Milwaukee. Okay. The, uh, the cultural mecca of Milwaukee. So, so
1: did you grow up then kind of like being involved in art then? Or at least something that you wanted to kind of pursue?
0: Uh, I got interested in art because I was a – I was this student who was in honors classes who'd get kicked out of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm not like myth-making, myth-making here, but like I – you know, so I wasn't a dumb kid, but I was like, I don't know, ADD or just a dick. I'm not sure which. So I would be a discipline problem, and I, so they'd put me in these AP classes or whatever, and then throw me out of them six weeks later. And I got kicked out of my English class, and I needed to find another teacher to take me, and no one would. So it was like, I wasn't going to fucking graduate unless I could give <laughs> somebody else to let me join their class. And the way they scheduled stuff was very collegey; It was weird. I can't remember. So you had to, like, lobby people to get in their classes. Like an
1: apprenticeship, almost. I don't know what the fuck the deal with. I don't want to work with this guy. No,
0: uh, well, it was, you know... <laughs> I don't blame them. My God, I, I, would, I, would have, I would beat 16, 17 year old me to death. So anyway, so there was a teacher who was a new teacher. So I went to her and said, I, I want to join your class. And she said, uh, well, I looked up your file. And I've seen your test scores. And you're clearly not stupid. <laughs> but, but you certainly are problematic. So she said, so, you know, I'll do it, uh, I'll do it on, one, on two conditions. One, you behave yourself. And two, mm-hmm. you have to join the academic decathlon team. This is like a setup for like a John Hughes movie. <laughs> anyway, because they needed people with like A grade point averages, B grade point averages, and other. And she didn't, couldn't get anybody to join who was other. Imagine <laughs> that. So I joined and I got put in charge of the art research and the science research. I may have asked. I don't know. I don't think so, because I'd never really given a shit about art. So I read a bunch of books on art. I used to cut school and, like, go to the library at school and read books. I mean, it was just, you know. Pretty rebellious. Well, but, like, rebellious in a really nerdy way, you know. Sure, Like, sure, I wasn't sure. out, like, you know, having sex in the alley. I was, like, you know, reading, you know, like, Janae. I mean, it was, you know, it's kind mm-hmm. of fucked up. So... I read a bunch of books on it and was like, this sounds interesting. So I started to paint, and I had my first gallery show, like, like you know, six months later or something. Admittedly, you know, like a shitty, horrible, I'm sure, storefront gallery. But I lied. I told him I was 25. And right, right. right, right, right yeah. <laughs> so, and then, because Milwaukee was so wildly segregated in the 80s, there was, they would do anything to get, because I lived in the, my parents moved to the suburbs as I was a little kid. So I lived in beautiful Glendale, Wisconsin. They would do anything to bus suburban kids to the Milwaukee Public Schools to meet their numbers. Anything. Mm-hmm. They would do anything. So the Milwaukee Art Museum had this program where you would go to high school at the art museum. There were like six of us or seven of us. Uh, and it was all like like seven kids from the high school for the arts and me. Right, right. Right. So a little bus came and picked me up, my little short bus, and drove me all the way the fuck downtown to the museum and uh and uh, so i went to high school at the art museum for my senior year for most of it so and did you decide then that you wanted to
1: do that or is that I, something I that came so, later yeah. cuz i mean, i was curious if like music was something that was also something that you were interested or I mean, you know i got it... really
0: interested in music and experimental sound stuff later later cuz i mean mm-hmm. i studied sound engineering at one point and did that sort of professionally but as a kid I, I mean i liked music a lot and saw a lot of bands but i don't i i was never i never played an instrument or anything i mean i i I made feeble attempts now and again but i have no talent whatsoever
1: that program in terms of going to the museums and that i mean is that something that you think kind of
0: prepared you for i don't know what it prepared me for i I certainly got to think about art a whole lot in a way that i don't think i would have if you get all malcolm gladwelly about it i mean (laughs) you know uh although i think malcolm gladwell is completely and totally full of shit (laughs) Uh, I can I can come up with a data set that proves anything. I'm telling you, I'm an attorney. I I'm only it.
1: I'm only at about like five hundred hours for this podcast, so That's I've got shit. Got a lot a uh, lot of ways to go.
0: Like I'm gonna become an expert in something I totally have no talent at just to prove <laughs> him wrong. I'm <laughs> gonna become an expert in oboe. I'm just gonna like do fucking horrible oboe performances <laughs> for ten thousand hours. Like, is he still alive? Dear Malcolm Gladwell, like here's oh, he's a very v- alive. Here's a video tape of my most tours. recent oboe performance. I completely and totally suck. And it's been 10,000 hours up yours. but do why he, Malcolm Gladwell makes me so angry, but he really does.
1: But you you had mentioned, like, painting. I mean, is that something that you were thinking about pursuing then when you, when you I started college? I did a college? lot of
0: painting. Uh, I mean, I was okay at it. I don't think I – I don't think – I think, unfortunately, growing up the way that I did and going to art school where I did, when I did – I mean, I went to college for art briefly mm-hmm. and dropped out because I didn't have any money. I got booted when I was 18, deservedly, certainly, mm-hmm. uh, and lived in, like, you know – Lived in condemned houses on Brady Street, Milwaukee, when Brady Street was still incredibly dangerous. My neighbors knifed each other and stuff like that. And we lived in a condemned house with a bunch of guys. And we all paid ninety dollars a month. And the cops raided us because one of my roommates collected animal skeletons. <laughs> and, the, and the guy who ran the funeral home looked in the window one day and saw a bunch of bones down there. Well, this is
1: probably is this is this, this is contemporary the Dahmer time? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a great documentary. Called, documentary on called the Netflix. police and
0: they came in like with the, the big old like uh, battering ram and knocked the door in. Jeez, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> To so make the long story short, I associated with people that did, that were involved in perhaps some drug stuff, mm-hmm. and and it had gotten sort of bad, and I had some rather profoundly negative health issues related to that, so I decided it was time to get out of Dodge, so mm-hmm. I moved to Chicago, uh, and I worked a bunch of places, and then eventually, you know, having a, being a college dropout, I decided to go back to school, uh, you know, whatever, eight years later, mm-hmm. and... Uh, and got a degree in sound engineering at Columbia College. Okay. And then uh, after that, I did AmeriCorps. And while, in Ameri- while I was doing AmeriCorps, I decided that maybe I would go try law school. Mm-hmm. What the heck? Why not law school? Uh, and I did that. And while I was at law school, I also got my MA and MFA. Uh, I moved back to Chicago. Uh, I did a bunch of stuff. And then after grad school, and um, I took the bar, passed it uh and then i was doing contract work depressing me enough i'm still doing occasionally while i was doing that i would listen to it was the very dawn of podcasting in 2004 2005 you know the first you know ipods were relatively new and and these things were starting to come out so i started to listen to some of these things there were no art ones and uh and they all were horrible horrible like no quality of sound no anything i mean it was like You know, somebody threw a tape recorder down on a table 12 feet away. Duncan McKenzie tells this story better than I do, but we were doing uh, a show. Ultimately, this is a project resulting from a uh, show at Michelle Grabner's Suburban. But anyway, so we were doing this show together, and our aesthetics are fairly different. And so we were talking about ways to sort of come up with a, you know, we would meet, like, at a bar, talk about the show, and and whatever. And while we were doing that, we started to talk about audio and podcasting and radio and, and you know, one of the big sort of landmark moments in Chicago complaining is uh, the death of the New Art Examiner, which mm-hmm. was, you know, the only hope any of us really had of getting any coverage. So we said, well, geez, you know, like I have a, I have a lot of audio equipment and a degree in sound engineering. You know, I know how to do that stuff. We, we should just go and, like, look at shows and we can record reviews of them and post it. You know, we'll get some alcohol and there you go. Sure. So, I mean, that literally is how it started. It was like, why not do that for a couple weeks and see if anybody gives a fuck, you know? And that was it. I mean, that's pretty much how it started. And then, you know, like all group projects, if you do it long enough, again, fuck you, Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, but, I mean, it, these things develop and take on a life of their own. So, eventually, it starts to get more formal. And we, we went from reviews to interviews over time mm-hmm. for a number of reasons. I mean, to expand our reach, to have a longer tail. Because, I mean, if you're doing a review, like, the show's over, no one cares, really. Sure. Right? Like, I mean, it becomes very boring. Mm-hmm. Um, And as our schedules got more complicated, as we, you know, bought houses or had kids and all that kind of stuff, like, it's easier to do interviews and then, you know, because they, you can, you can have an interview, you can record it and have it sit around for six months before you run it. Right. Uh, I mean, especially with our interview style. So that's, that is what we do. Like, right now we're recorded through, like, October.
1: And how did that work? I mean, did you, did you guys start out talking to people that you know and then kind of branch out from there or just kind of? Yeah,
0: when we did interviews, yeah. It was like, who can we call? Because, I mean, we knew people. I mean, we had our circle of, and like, if, and if we didn't know somebody, we were usually a degree or two from them.
1: Because I'm, I'm curious how that, I mean, especially because I think about that for me. And, again, I was talking to you about Phil from Otcast. Richard almost fell down there, but we're happy he's, he's falling alive. Falling off my stool. But I, I'm, I'm curious how that works, too. I mean, is, were there things that you talked about, like, in terms of aesthetics or, you know, as types of art that you want to cover? Or was it really just like you guys saw or heard about the
0: show or this artist and you said, let's go yeah. talk to him? I don't know it was ever very deliberate we've had a very quote-unquote organic process Mm -hmm. early on i don't want to say the name of the artist but like i remember going to see a show Mm -hmm. and uh and it was really really horrible (laughs) like i hated it like i wanted that 20 minutes back like i wanted to sue somebody because it was (laughs) so horrible like gosh i hated that show have i mentioned that i hated that show (laughs) (laughs) but i won't say who it is but like I remember walking onto that show with with Duncan and saying like I don't even want to talk about that because like, mm-hmm. like what's the point? The English language is an amazing thing, right? Like it's easy to be florid and throw a bunch of adjectives together, especially if you're talking about something that sucks, right? Mm-hmm. Like it is really it's, it's there's a there's a, a sort of wacky joy in beating up on shit, right? Because mm-hmm. like I can come up with all sorts of beautiful words to describe why I hate something, right? And that's, like, what's the point, right? I mean, even though that art, art sucked, in my opinion, or was uh, whatever, not what I like, at least. I mean, that person still at least ostensibly cared enough to make it mm-hmm. and to show it and to promote it. And, right, sure. I mean, and they, they'd done other shows. I mean, I was familiar with them. So who am I to beat up on it? I mean, I really don't feel that I, I'm a, a critic, necessarily, because I'm not trained. I'm not qualified. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm smart enough. I certainly haven't read all the books that people should read to be a critic. So early on, we decided to be sort of like, I always looked at us as the fan club newsletter, really. Right. Like, I mean, this is not to say I haven't asked occasionally tough questions of people or called people on their bullshit, but but I'm definitely less inclined to do that. Like, I'm, I'm, it's rare that I'll seek out an interview of somebody I just don't like. Also, you know, I mean, we do conversation in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I could count on two fingers maybe the number of phone interviews we've ever done. The interesting thing about talking to people is sort of like, joking around or casual dialogue so we have an aesthetic that's it it's so it's not a formal interview process we're not we don't show up with i mean duncan sometimes does but i generally don't show up with questions i mean maybe notes but i mean there's no goal we're not you know i mean our interviews consist of one question basically which is so tell us about what you do right right and that's it and the rest of it is all just sort of variations on that
1: did that also kind of change the way that you that you looked at work? Because you know, I know that you know you talk about going to see a show, not liking it. For me, I can kind of relate it to very personal experiences. Going to see something and just really want to dismiss something, especially when I had no knowledge of it. Did that did that change at all in terms of like what you like to look at? Did you kind of like broaden your your horizons, for lack of a better kind of word? I mean, did you start looking at things that you never thought you'd look at and be like, oh, that's pretty interesting now.
0: I think that my taste is not very cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think it ever has been. <coughs> I think my taste is probably airs more towards the minimal. Right. I, I mean, I think that the show has made me realize that I'm probably a little more conservative than I thought that I was aesthetically. I mean, there's certain modes of art that I, I, I think I've slightly unfairly, but but I have been branded as an enemy of social practice, being the most glaring example, which is not true. Goddamn it, I don't <laughs> hate it all, but I certainly have picked on it a lot and have had it, I've had interviews with a couple sort of key figures in it where i perhaps got a little aggressive
1: but that's something that also kind of helps round that out too though i mean because you've got so many different people bringing up different artists yeah. and and
0: yeah but i mean we're not NPR. like we're not okay. NPR. like sure. i think that i doubt i doubt either duncan or i or you know, amanda or brian or patricia or the regular people who are involved like I doubt any of us are sufficiently charming to drive the the prop media property on its own, right? right like right. like people aren't so amused by me and my sense of humor that they're gonna show up just to hear me rattle on about whatever I think is amusing, right? I'm not a stand up, even though I like to think of myself as one occasionally. But at the same time, like I mean there is this I, there is, whether we intended it or not, a house style of conversation and of analysis. And and I think I think part of if you've been listening to the show for any length of time, I mean It's like we're people you – hopefully, it's like we're people you know and that, like – and sometimes we piss you off and sometimes you agree with us and sometimes you think we're funny and sometimes you think you want to punch us in the face because we're really annoying. Like, I mean, I think that – I mean, if if in my my dream world, the people who've listened to the show for any length of time, like are there with us doing it? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, like, sure. Like, I don't look at myself as smarter or better or more erudite or you know more prepared. Or, I mean, if anything, my, my role in the show has always been sort of like the dumb guy, <laughs> uh, you know, because I'm not. You know, Duncan is certainly better versed in theory and criticism than I could ever hope to be, and he follows the contemporary art world a lot more than I do. Like, I think if anything, th- this this show has pushed me away from things like the magazines and all that Mm -hmm. i think i still read them now and again but i I certainly don't subscribe to any of them because otherwise you end up chasing all that stuff like Mm -hmm. and and i just it's not realistic with my lifestyle to to be that into it in that way like i'm not a i'm not an inside baseball guy with that i don't know that duncan is either because he's an incredibly busy guy with kids but but he i think that he's more focused on the 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 greater world than i am Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, you know, our blog is much more so. Our, our blog is much more contemporary and, and uh, of the moment than we are. Jamie Polson took over the uh, blog recently from Carolyn Picard when Carolyn left. Uh, she had other things she had to do. I went to lunch with her and, and Dana Bassett, who does our What's the Tea with Dana B? Uh, gossip columns, not the right term, but gossipy is, you know, sort of like mm-hmm. this, she's very sort of at the cutting edge of things. And they had a conversation about people that like consisted largely of names and i knew about a third of them and it's just it's just not where i am in my life that i can i i pursue that so i'm glad that there are people involved who can but it's it's not me anymore
1: well i think the other thing that you kind of brought up that's tangential maybe is that it kind of also it, you kind of also feel like you're going along on a journey with these people you know what i mean you're kind of you're kind of exper- you're kind of in the room you know what i mean so there's something about that that's also not like um, you know, hearing uh, a, a team of editors at NPR kind of deciding which questions are worth airing, and right. this and that. So I mean, but that's but that's something that's so funny about it too, though, because when you have to kind of listen to things that you get stuck with, like commercials and just all this kind of very formatted way of kind of communicating information, it becomes really, just really dry and dull and boring and I don't know. Yeah, Granted that's how it always has been. But like, yeah. I, I hate watching any any kind of like Good Morning America type stuff after this point because it's so, like even when they interview somebody because it's so
0: edited and it's all it's all dropped in boxes too it's all pre-prepped and right, right right yeah no but i mean i obviously i'm always respectful uh i mean i, I think you can be professional and respectful about showing up like james rondeau is the most polished professional anybody i think i've ever met i mean the man is a genius i mean love him or hate him like he's extremely good at what he does and uh, and I know my wife is very good friends with him. Uh, he's been very. I mean, he's a great guy. I mean, I you know I know him personally. But when I've interviewed him or he's been in on an interview, we've interviewed an artist uh, that he's had coming to the Art Institute. He is business. He I mean he ha- is a professional and he <coughs> has and he toes the professional line. He's not going to joke around or make off color jokes like <laughs> that. He would make <laughs> no. I mean he's not. Yeah, it's not. He's he's genuine, but it's just he's like he is good at what he does. Right. And, you know so. I think you could be that way without reading a prepared statement, but I I don't know why I'm talking about this.
1: I think I asked you. So one of the other things that I kind of wanted to bring up too is, I mean, you kind of talked about taste a little bit. I mean, what, what kind of what kind of things are you interested in looking at? I mean, I, 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 I talked to artists, that, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, I don't know if that'll that'll you know, scrutinize I, it, but I, th- I think it's important to kind of consider because even just before this, we were talking about
0: all these different worlds, yeah. you know, involved in art and, yeah, and yeah. you know, how things go on well, behind I the like scenes with this and that, but I mean, but I mean, you know, like you go to these art, uh, I, I just, we just did a stint at Volta mm-hmm. and I liked the model that Volta had as an art fair. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I didn't like, I didn't like at least half of the work, but like, which is pretty good for an art fair, frankly, but, but each gallery had a solo show. Mm-hmm. So I could actually see people's work as opposed to the horrible rummage sale approach that most art fairs have. Uh, you know, it's all interesting, right? I mean, like, I, I love the creative impulse. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for my per, like my personal artistic journey, whatever that is, I mean, I don't have a ton of free time. I mean, I'm more interested in sciencey stuff these days than making visual art. Like, mm-hmm. you know, yesterday I, I hacked my kids' Nerf guns to shoot farther, and uh, I took all the safety features out of them. I was pretty stoked about that. <laughs> uh, God bless the Internet. It's like, hey, we put all these safety features in these things, so you can't hurt yourselves. Like, I took all those fuckers right on out of there. <laughs> two in the morning with my screwdriver.
1: Well I um, just I just hope I don't you see one of those Facebook updates where one of your one of your uh, children no. had the emergency room Well, I've done injury. a lot of that.
0: I, I uh, I'm only responsible for Max breaking his arm the first time. The <laughs> second time was totally on him. Dad and playground equipment. Bad combo.
1: Well but, but I mean is there anything that kind of sticks out to you in your mind then that, I don't know. I mean I, I know that it's put you on you know, the spot are, but I mean there are
0: artists who I mean, I you know, I, I, I like the minimal, I like the graceful. I mean, my own aesthetic. I don't mm-hmm. know that my aesthetic is particularly cool. Like the Olaf Eliason show from the you know the MCA sticks in my mind. But then there's stuff that I don't know that I would have no, known to like if had I not thought of the Brazilian show. At the MCA also sticks in my mind. I mean, that show was totally amazing, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's artists that I met. You know, like I was familiar with William Parhita's work. But then I talked to him at Expo, which is one of the t- most tragically too short interviews we've ever done. It breaks my heart that that interview was only thirty minutes long because mm-hmm. I and his gallerist was in on it, which is a little weird, but he was a nice guy but uh but that guy is one of the most intense, like thoughtful, like decent you know like my goodness, I like that guy like and i don 't know that I loved his work beforehand, but hearing him talk about it was just moving is the only way I can describe it. I mean it was like, damn, like you are. You are fucking amazing. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, why didn't I know this before? Uh, and it made me look at his work in a whole new light and really appreciate it for the depth that's in it. Because I think it comes off as a little like parody y, like jokey, like dry wit. But when you hear him talk about it, you're like, and it's just a, it's beautiful. It's totally beautiful. It's, it's all interesting. Sure. I mean, I find well, everything. That's my, that's my great curse in the world. When I die and I look back on my life, in, in three weeks, uh, I'm, you know, I'll look back at it and think, you know, it's a, it's almost a drag that I found the world so interesting because I just don't have time to, you know, like I want to learn everything. I want to try it all. I want to become expert in everything. Sure. And it's uh, and it's ruined me in many ways because it's like I'll pick up career paths and I'll do them for a while. And then I'll get bored and find something more interesting, you know, or topics or whatever. Like and so art art is great for that because art never you can't reach the end of it. You can't, you know. I can reach the end of information on early acoustic blues, right? I read twenty books on it. I get it, right? right? Like I know all about it. I could tell you. I could I could teach a class on it. Uh, I don't care anymore. But I, but goddamn it, I could. Uh, whereas contemporary art, like, it's never going to end. It's just like there's more and more. And then as soon as you think you've you get it, there's more and more after that. The commerce of it is a little hard to take sometimes. Uh, and I think I really have a lot of clarity on that now. Although that's evolving, too. I mean, this last trip to New York, I got some clarity that I didn't have before about sort of how the world works. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, always, it's an evolving process. Sure. But to answer the question that you asked 45 minutes ago, <laughs> uh, I mean, what do I like? I mean, I like it all, which sounds like a bullshit dodge. But there's even the stuff I hate, there's, it's, it, why do I hate it? You know what I mean? Like, that question is interesting to me.
1: Well, I, th- I think one of the things that people miss, and especially just regular people, too, especially that don't necessarily want to be – critical about anything you've probably seen how many different artists work I mean you've probably seen thousands and thousands been inundated with all of this stuff so right. being able to be picky is not, it's not really about being picky it's just that you might have seen so much stuff that after you see this this other stuff looks like crap
0: I, am, I was given a great gift by Ollie Watt mm-hmm. uh, O-L-I-W-A-T-T who's a great man God I love that guy he's in Chicago he is excruciatingly underappreciated uh, Philip Von Zweck is another one everybody should look up Who's totally underappreciated And a complete towering genius And there's there's A Chicago aesthetic It's people like these guys um, Both of whom make work That at its core is, is really thoughtful And beautiful but so anyway back to this Ollie Watt piece so it's It's a handmade hand printed Reproduction of a True value hardware store Bag that you put the tiny screws in When you go to buy them mm-hmm. right and, and people come into my house, and they look at that, and they're like, why the fuck is there a bag from a hardware store framed on your wall? But to me, that's one of the most beautiful things I've seen. I mean, it's just something so thoughtful and quiet. Uh, where was I? So my notions of what I find beautiful are not normal. <laughs> I mean, I find sort of these really subtle, graceful things. And and I think ultimately what I like in art is the is the truly these these little quiet beautiful things, mm-hmm. uh, which is I like a lot of minimalism. I like a lot of spatial stuff. I mean, I like stuff that looks like my work, which is like this sort of like really icy, detachedy, sort of like mm-hmm. you know ultimately minimalist sort of thing. That doesn't mean that I don't enjoy a lot of other stuff. But sure, I mean, sure. but in terms of stuff that like you know I'm excited to look at when I'm at home, you know, like that Ali Watt piece is like. Every time I look at that thing, I'm like, God damn it, that guy's fucking smart. Like, I
1: just, something so nice about it. One thing I'm curious about, too, though, so when you wind up and in, in, in going and doing a talk at U of I or, you know, another venue like that, I mean, are there, do people usually ask you, like, specifically, like, specific questions, or is it something where you kind of just give
0: and provide information? I just gave, I just gave a talk uh, recently, and... Um, I don't remember what the questions were. They all seem sort of the same. People ask you about, like, what did you, who's your worst interview, who's your best interview, kind of stuff. It depends on the class. Like, I regularly talk to Susan Snoggrass's class at uh, the Art Institute about who, and there's, it's sort of like an arts journalism class. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and she, and those questions are generally about interview technique, but just run of the mill stuff. People, well, yeah, I, I you know, I mean, people
1: generally don't ask questions in talks. They well, just want to
0: hear you talking. Get out of there. It's
1: kind of interesting how that's how that changes too. I mean, is that something where your the way that you talk has changed, the way that you interview people? Because there's a real art. I mean, I don't know. I want I don't want to say that there's a real art to it, but I mean, there's oh, a no, level no, of ad libbing. You, you want to hear the best
0: interviewer alive? You know who sure, the best interviewer sure. alive is? You're not going to believe me. It's but Howard it's true. Stern. No, no, he's good though. Is George Nori. And George Nori hosts Coast to Coast AM, the former Art Bell program, if mm-hmm. you're familiar. And George Nori, the other day they had a show on him and a guy talking about leprechauns and unicorns and angels and demons and <laughs> flying monkeys and the conspiracy of the government and how they actually shot down that Malaysian jet and Gosh. like, and how, you know, right, like whatever crazy thing. And that guy is unflappable. Like he, he, just plays along, like and it's and he never makes fun of them, and he never acts like they're crazy, even when they're obviously clearly schizophrenics. <laughs> so, I mean, the guy's like just—he's like the the Caravaggio of interviewing. I mean, it's just so fucking smart. I just—I can't stand it. My wife cannot listen to that shit when I play it in the car. <laughs> I tell so, you, I, the, my coast to coast AM membership is one of my few indulgences. <laughs> As an interviewer, I mean, I don't—that's not my style of interview, though. Interestingly enough, but I, I respect it a lot because it's <laughs> very, very smart. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, that was a rant. Sorry. No, no. I'm very ranty I th- today. I, th- I think that's fine. I'm ranting you know? the world um, today.
1: Well, and I, I know that we'll probably talk a bit a bit more about the the bad at sports stuff, but I also wanted to bring up this. Um, you you started like a
0: what is this like Saturday morning uh, science club for uh, kids? It, is well, that I, and uh, so I'd started – I had been in the process of starting a nonprofit to uh, get a hacker space going in the west, immediate western suburbs, Oak Park, mm-hmm. like the west side of Chicago, but also Oak Park, Berwyn, uh, River Forest, Forest Park, and so on, you know, to ultimately – and I've done a number of programs, essentially like naughty science. So, like, you know, I, I did rocket launches with uh, the kindergartners at the school my son goes to, and, and we've done, you know, all the kids uh, on the block. I've made marshmallow guns for them all, So all. Right, you right. Know, it's like, Which is like Nerf guns, but cheaper. Uh, you know, you make them with PVC and you can knock them out. Um, I mean, there's a lot of fun, dumb stuff. You can, like yesterday, I was hacking the Nerf guns to make them more dangerous. Uh, you know, like I want my kids to grow up to be... Uh, at least comfortable enough to take a screwdriver to something, if not sufficiently smart and technically talented enough to fix it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I want to, you know, my goal is to teach, you know, eventually start teaching, like, workshops on soldering and, and building things from raw components to, you know, like, the brownie troop. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's no reason. I mean, girls, science for girls is is terribly unjust and unfair i mean people are working on it but it's still messed up right you know it's not cool to bust out a soldering iron if you're a girl which is just <laughs> dumb and i think that i think that that is something i would love to see stamped out anyway if you google there's like these kits that you can buy they're kind of expensive they're they're almost like legos but they're electronic components and you can click them together and you can build stuff and they just partnered with korg to build a synthesizer one which i would give my left arm for it's fantastic but anyway so, you know, like you know, I've got a six-year-old and a soon-to-be four-year-old, and, you know, they, uh, they're they not old enough yet to start doing that stuff themselves, but I, I definitely try to make them, you know, I mean, we don't have a lot of money, so I repair a lot of stuff in our house. I've rebuilt our washing machine recently until finally the transmission blew and I realized I was in over my head. I, I, I mean, at, at my core, I, I like ideas and creativity and exploring the world, and I think that science is very similar to art in that regard. Uh, and, and with the advent of things like Make Magazine and that whole scene of maker stuff, mm-hmm. uh, I think that there's really – I think it's a really big and exciting revolution that's going on in things that are acceptable and encourage topics for creative people, right? Like I know a lot of creative people that are like getting into 3D printing, Tom Burtonwood being the the sure. sort of extreme example. I don't know if "extreme" is the right choice of word there, but uh, he doesn't I mean,
1: even eat anymore. I heard.
0: Yeah, well, that's he probably doesn't. true. He's the uh, and he's doing an artist in residence at the Art Institute. I yeah, mean, which yeah. is you know good for them. Three D printing doesn't do it for me, but uh, but I mean you know finding people who have machinist skills or can put together electronics or. You know, I find that that the level of options that are available to—I don't think art needs to be technological. I think it's fine to just be a painter and to be a painter, right? Like, mm-hmm. like I don't, I don't, uh, I don't—I'm not one of those people that thinks like, oh, your art needs to be technology-based installation work.
1: You haven't made any suggestions to me yet, so I'm, I'm thankful. I like but your I'm, work. Don't I'm waiting, mess with it. Uh, waiting for a year or so before that starts happening. Yeah, yeah.
0: If you start putting electronics in your work, I will probably <laughs> heckle you loudly. <laughs> if you start putting like lights in your paintings, you know, for the cities, I'll, I'll be like, boom—that's a good idea, you know. You oh. get
1: like a big a little neon fiber optics, little neon sign in there. You know, I will heckle it lights you. Up It'll
0: be dark. like IKEA kitsch. It'll be the worst. <laughs> That'd um. be awful. Don't do it. Uh, anyway, yeah. So, so I I had been working on forming a five hundred one c three to do that. I've had a couple public meetings. Ultimately, one of the things that I've learned from in sports, and uh, I've learned a lot of lessons from badminton sports in terms of management and working with people, and, and applying them to this new activity, it's like. It's easy to start a group project that becomes like this like autocratic like cult of personality thing where like, one person makes the decisions or two people make the decisions and other people sort of come and go as they see so fit because mm-hmm. they don't have a stake in it, right? Right, right. And that's not a good management style. That's not a good... You know, people have to be invested collaborators or they're just not going to give a shit because no one's going to make any money. Mm-hmm. So in terms of the other nonprofit, it's like I can't be the guy anymore. I think mm-hmm. once upon a time in my life, I was perpetually the guy who was like, I'll organize the show, and, you know, I'd organize it, or you're still in this phase. You'll get over it. Well, we'll uh, see. Just yeah. wait you have a kid, man. It's yeah, all yeah. over. <laughs> uh, but, like, you know, after a while, it's, it's wearing. It, there's a cost to sure. these things. And to have a, a bunch of activities that are along those same lines, like, you know, even bad in sports, I've transitioned out of a lot of stuff in, involved in this. I mean, my role now is is much much different than my role at the beginning. We're
1: kind of nearing the end of this time. Are there are there kind of any, any people any collaborators that have really been well, you helpful know, in terms of expanding? Back yeah, at I would
0: be remiss if I didn't give incredible props and accolades to many of the people involved. I don't want this to be like a I want an Oscar speech, but you know, when you asked earlier about sort of how it expanded and and evolved, and having collaborators has been has, you know it has grown from two people to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it's you know we've lost some people and gained some people over the years, I mean generally, I think with very few exceptions you know, always in a positive, nice way, mm-hmm. I think we've you know I think it may, maybe bounced one or two people from misbehavior, but it's almost almost unheard of. you know uh, Amanda Browder joined very early on and now is in charge of our reporting in New York and has mm-hmm. done a great job out there, uh, and she did the, the installation project at Volta and is, uh, is a you know has been a great collaborator. Uh, and then we, not too long after Amanda, uh, Brian Andrews, uh, who was a uh, grad school friend of Duncan's, who sent us a piece of hate mail about how much he hated us, joined on as a reporter <laughs> out of San Francisco, and then uh, was joined by uh, Patricia Maloney, who runs Our Practical, uh, which is a blog and, pub- and a lot of other things out there. I mean, we've had a number of people over the years who've contributed from all over the place, uh, but those are the core people. You know, and then you, uh, one of the things we were talking about before, the tape rolled, was uh, about the technical side, and you know, Christopher Hudgens... He's sort of the great hero of bad sports that never gets credit because he makes all the Internet stuff work. We, we've, we've had some Internet attack this past week, and Chris like, I don't know what. I, w- I literally do not know what I would have done if not for someone like that. Claudine, you say, uh, ran our blog for a while, um, and she is a journalist and curator and has been great. I mean, was way too good for us. Carolyn Picard, who runs Green Lantern Press, was in charge of our blog, and now we've got uh, Jamie Lee Polson. So, I mean, you know, people have been very generous with their time. We've got innumerable writers who've contributed. I mean, people work really hard for, you know, I'm very clear when people join up, it's like, you know... Like there's no reward in this. Right. Like, like, like this costs me several thousand dollars a year at least. Right. Uh, so it is a labor of love, and if you if you're cool with that, I mean, we've had people leave because they thought they should be being paid, and, and ultimately I agree with them. But sure, you know, the minute I, I get a dollar that we don't, are, you know, owe somebody else, like I'll split it equally. Right. Right. But it's been, I mean, Duncan McKenzie, of course, uh, my co-host and the co-founder, uh, and the person who does most of the interviews. I mean, the show would not exist if not for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he, especially in recent years. With, I mean, I, I es- essentially have two jobs and, and two kids, so it's tough for me to be as involved as I used to be. Mm-hmm. And he has, uh, and he has really picked up the slack. And I mean, he is it's it's uh, far more Duncan McKenzie than it is Richard Holland driving the bus. Right, right. Uh, so I mean, I you know I can't say enough nice stuff about Duncan. I mean, he really has put in a lot of time and hard work. And and all, when all is said and done, whatever that is he is the is the person who should be uh heralded as as the you know as the the great genius by the project honestly so mm-hmm. but yeah i mean it's it's collaborative projects it's it takes a lot of work to do this and it's really and at a certain point it didn't be it wasn't duncan and mine anymore it was everybody's. and right, and, and, right. It's, and it really very much is What's going on
1: in the future? I know it's every time you check in on Twitter, you know, you see what Bad in Sports is up to. There's
0: always like a trip or a conference or this or that. I, so what's what's coming up? Gosh, I think it's April 23rd. I should please look at our website and please come to this because I don't want to be talking to an empty room. But. We have been asked to go speak at the Apple Store on Michigan Avenue. Oh, sweet about the show, please, dear God, show up. I need at least ten people there, or 'll be horribly embarrassed I'm, like i 'm going to hire homeless guys to show up because like, <laughs> like, seriously, like I will pay you a dollar to show up i 'll bring a pocket full of money and we 'll be talking about podcasting and sort of what we do there. That should be fun, awesome. maybe there 'll be snacks i don 't know, <laughs> but maybe it 's a show up could be a possibility but yeah, uh, in terms of the, the grander future, I mean, I think at a certain point. I think, you know, you can't do it forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been 10 years almost. Uh, and I think at a certain point, we've had, I mean, there's no, uh, you know, I'm not making a statement or saying anything specific, but like, I think that we, over the last handful of years, we've focused a lot on the legacy of what is, you know, I mean, we've, because at a certain point, it becomes bigger than you and you have a responsibility to it. Mm-hmm. And, and without expecting it, I mean, we've recorded 400 and, you know, at this point, probably 475, 480 interviews some of those are important and will be Mm -hmm. important in the artists who are going to become people of historic note if they haven't already. Mm -hmm. And so that comes with a responsibility. You can't just pull the plug and delete it all. So we have been developing over the last number of years, you know, increasingly trying to get transcripts done of things. And we are developing a number of potential book projects. If anybody out there is in publishing, particularly academic publishing, we're looking for a publisher, but we've had conversations with people about taking excerpts of interviews and compiling them with an essay. Michelle Grabner is, uh, has edited the first one uh, on painters, and that is, that is in a can as far as I know, and uh, I don't know, we're just looking for somebody to print it. So we've had a couple conversations, but I don't think anything's set. I see a day where the show itself stops being a weekly event, like Mm -hmm. something that gets made every week, Mm -hmm. Uh, and we do things more occasionally as we see so fit or do public events and turn more towards working on maintaining the archive and developing it. I mean, we've got... 30 writers that write stuff every day, you know, I mean, we have a lot of material to save. Yeah, you could have a, you could have a whole show on what kind of pencils uh, artists use, you know, that's like an yeah. hour and a half long. Save us. We, <laughs> we, don't, we don't get that technical. We got I mean, probably get a whole get show an, on, like, you know, inappropriate sexual jokes, but uh, <laughs> uh, not to sound like I'm giving my eulogy or something, but I mean, I think that uh, yeah, uh, for anybody who is listening to this who is familiar with us and listens, I mean, that's ultimately the reward. Like, I mean, we do this so much in a vacuum in a lot of ways. You know, I, I edit this show at like 2 in the morning on Sundays. I, I So it's it's always sort of surprising to me when I meet people who listen to it. Right, right. It's you're a, like, it's wow, a rewarding really process. You know, people come up to us and say, I've been listening to you for six years. It's like, wow, man, that's amazing. Thank you. Thank you to the listeners. Well, and, and I think to kind of segue that, I mean, that's one of the
1: things, uh, just this last little bit here. So you're going to be our juror for this year's annual competition. Indeed, I am. And we've talked Very about this a little bit, but again, we kind of have different different categories from BFA students to MFA students and professionals. You're going to be selecting three artists from each of those categories to kind of feature on Studio Breaks. So I'm, I'm hoping that you'll throw me some some barbs people that I people that I kind of have to look at and just be like, uh, you know, what's going on here? I have no idea. So it'll, Gosh, who it'll did be I a find fun a most obnoxious fun people I could possibly
0: think of. Let's see. Gosh.
1: Well, but you said you'd look at anything. So we want to encourage anybody to kind of. Get in front of your yeah, eyes. Yeah, no, to look that would at, be so. great.
0: Please uh, send stuff in. I mean, I, it's always, you know, time. Time is the only limit, really. And and it's, I love looking at people's work and learning about what people do. I mean, it's always interesting and educational. It's rare that I see something that I just flat out think is worthless. Right, right. So you know, yeah, definitely contribute. I would love to uh, see what everybody's up to. It'd be great. Awesome. Well, again, thanks so
1: much for meeting me at this wonderful Starbucks. Thank Richard. you for
0: your patience in uh, trying to schedule this with me.
1: Thanks once again to Richard, and please remember to check it out, Bad at Sports, at the Apple Store on North Michigan Avenue. That's 679 North Michigan Avenue in Chicago, April 23rd at 7 p.m. And if you're somehow not familiar with Bad at Sports, go to Bad at Sports right now. Check out all the great content, badatsports.com. And please remember to check out and apply to the 2014 Studio Break competition. Richard is our juror, and as you heard, he's going to pick out some interesting artwork, some cool stuff. So please apply once again. Three different categories, BA, BFA, MA, MFA, and professional artists. Again, nine total artists will be appearing on Studio Break And just a reminder that we're also very excited. We're going to be working with the Peoria Art Guild, Jan Brandt Gallery, and Demo Project. We're going to be helping them to select one artist from each of those categories to have a solo exhibition. So you get a solo show out of it. Pretty cool competition, and we're very excited to see what kind of entries we get. The deadline is going to be May 31st, so please check out competition details on studiobreak.com. While you're there, please check out some of the interviews that we have. Again, over 100 different interviews with different artists, different organizations, mostly talking about their work, their experience, and they're all available right there with slideshows. Or you can go to the iTunes store, subscribe to the podcast. And, of course, if you like it, comments are appreciated as it helps get the word out about the podcast. Of course, you can also help us by sharing on your Twitter accounts, your Tumblr accounts, your Facebook pages, etc. And, of course, you can follow us there studio-break.tumblr at Studio Break on Twitter and of course our Facebook page super easy to like and you can easily follow some of the things that we have going on that way some of our guests and upcoming announcements things like the annual competition and lastly if you're a little bit curious about me as a host you can check out my website davidlinaway.com and I also have a recent podcast with fellow artist John Reddington And you should check out his work, johnreddington.com. Again, we have a two-person show up in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, right now at the Rehoboth Beach Art League in the Cochrane Gallery. Again, some 22 works covering the wonderful landscape and region of Southern Illinois. The show is called So Ill Perspective, Reimagined Landscapes, and it's on view through April 27th in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. So please go ahead and check it out. And again, It's the episode right before this, 105, so it's really hard to miss. And lastly, I do want to thank Skylar Mail, who is our musical contributor. He's also a visual artist, a painter, a performance artist with the group Gelatin. And so we're very thankful that he provides the music. All right. Thanks once again for listening. We'll talk to you real soon.